1: Hi, this is Annie. And this is Bridget. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. And today, we're talking about sexism at the gym. (laughs) And I wanted to start out with an anecdote that um, has less to do with sexism and more to do with problems at the gym. But a couple of years ago, I went back home to visit my parents. My parents live in a really small town. And um, I found these really old weights, like uh, dumbbells, and they were rusted and metallic. And I decided I wanted to lift them because I like lifting weights. And um, I was also trying to avoid a big party my parents were having downstairs which is really funny because, spoiler alert, I ruined the party, and this is not the first time I've done this. Um, So I was lifting the weights, like, I guess that's a bench press, but I didn't have a bench. I was just on the floor. And the rust had eaten away at the spiral keeping the weight on. (laughs) And it fell right on my face. (laughs) And my tooth, it was like powder. It dissolved like powder. Your tooth did? Yeah. And I, so... I'm panicking. I look in the mirror, and um, as I mentioned before, I've done some acting, and I'm like, my career is over. I only have only one specific type of role I can get from here on out. So, because I'm I'm less than smart when it comes to my health, I I finished my workout circuit, and then <laughs> I went downstairs. I was trying to avoid everybody, and I managed to. Um, But when I got outside, there were all of these cars parked behind my car because I was trying to get to a dentist, right? And um, I had to go inside, interrupt my parents' nice party with my broken (laughs) tooth and ask everyone to move their cars. And so that happened. And then because I was not where I live and it was a Saturday, no dentist was open. No, Nowhere was going to help me out except for one I found off of a strip and when I came in, they didn't speak English. They only spoke Russian. And I've never gotten, like, any kind of tooth work done before, other than wisdom teeth getting out. So they show me, like, this big needle, and they, they're, they like, nodding. <laughs> and I thought, well, this is it for me. <laughs> but it all turned out, and they replaced the tooth. And now you can only tell because when I drink coffee, our, our wine, because it stains differently. So
2: you have a a fake tooth in your head? All this time, I've been friends with you. I didn't know that you had a fake tooth in your head.
1: Yeah. It's the front one, too. It's the front one. Wait. Right or left? On the left. I I literally couldn't tell. Good job, Russian dentist. Good job, Russian dentist. They definitely implied. I couldn't really understand what they were saying because it was like a— I think they were a husband and wife pair of dentists. But they definitely implied to me that I was lying to them about bleaching my teeth. But anyway, that is my fun non-gym but weightlifting story because we are going to be talking a lot about weightlifting. <laughs> Have you ever experienced sexism at the gym, Bridget? I it
2: not. I would say not that I can remember offhand, but probably. I also I don't. I'm not a big gym person. I do enjoy being physical. But it's usually some sort of activity. So the gym that I go to usually is its like one of those specialty gyms that we're going to talk about. Um, it's off-road here in D.C. It's amazing. And their slogan is Bike Box Build. And so it's just a really small boutique specialty gym where you only kind of do one of three things, you know, cycling, boxing, which is what I do, um, and also cycling sometimes. And then, like, circuit training, Um and I, I think I found that because it's a smaller gym and everyone knows each other, and everyone goes out for coffee or a drink after the workout, which I'm sure kind of defeats the purpose. But it's such a small, tight knit community of mostly women and gender nonconforming folks that it, it really, it's just the only environment I want to be in while I work out.
1: That sounds lovely.
2: Yeah, it's I, I. This sounds like an ad for them, and it's not because they're, you know, they're not paying me. But I would happily make an ad for them because it's such a great gym. And it's the only consistent gym-based like physical activity I've been able to do. That I and I think part of it is because of that sort of camaraderie. It's really low key. Everyone is really nice. Everyone is there to have fun. You know, it's really it's really kind of like people go there because it's a pleasant and fun way to spend an hour and a half. It's not. It's not. It's it's explicitly not a gym experience.
1: I don't go to the gym much anymore. But when I was in college, um, I went all of the time. And um, it was in part to avoid my roommate um, because you could watch TV. As long as you kept running on the treadmill or whatever, the TV would work. So I would go and watch Jurassic Park like on the treadmill just to avoid my roommate. As long as there wasn't anyone else waiting, I wasn't that jerk. Um, And it was a really nice gym too. They built it for the Olympics in 96 and they had a pool with like all the diving boards and a slide. Um, and it was actually a really good experience. I, I did lift uh, I did lift weights at the time, and I didn't really get any, any dudes coming up to tell me that I was doing it incorrectly, which we're going to talk about. That does happen quite a bit. Um, before we get into some industry numbers, just a disclaimer, the fitness industry has a world of other problems to tackle on top of sexism. Homophobia, transphobia, they are not always welcome to non-binary folks. There's ableism. Um, they can be exclusionary because of cost and time commitment or even travel. So there, there are all of these things on top of the conversation we're having today.
2: I'm glad you've mentioned that. I, I have to say, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I, I love riding my bike. I love city bike riding, outdoor bike riding. But what I wanted to continue to, you know, be in shape during the winter, I was looking for a cycling, a cycling program. And before I found my, my gym, I remember going to Cycle. and, you know, no shame to Soul Cycle, but feeling really out of place that I didn't have super fancy athletic wear. Like the people who did Cycle looked like fitness models. They all had this very specific kind of athleisure outfit and yeah, I just, it didn't feel like I certainly couldn't afford $45, you know, a $45 shirt just to ride a bike. And I really felt like I was like, I'll never go here again. Like it just really, I felt super out of place.
1: Yeah. It it can really add up. And that, like that $45 shirt on top of what you're paying for membership or for classes. Right. And gyms, gyms can be places that do not feel welcoming for one reason or another. And we're going to talk about all of that. But well, let's start with some numbers just to show how to give this conversation uh, while we're, why we're talking about it, like meaning how much money it is. So the fitness industry is a big business. Some estimates put the number of Americans that have at least one gym or club membership at 45 million people. A membership typically costs somewhere between $50 to $150 a month. Around the world, the health club industry accounted for over $75 billion and almost 132 million members. And specialty gyms like SoulCycle or CrossFit grew by 70% between 2012 and 2015. And probably surprising no one, women are more likely to drop out than men. And one of the
2: main reasons for that is this feeling of being judged. A 2014 survey from Cosmo found that women are gym timidated. That's their word, not ours, although it's a good one. Yeah. Twice as many women reported feelings of embarrassment in working out as compared to men. Almost half of the female respondents said they avoided the weightlifting area because of the, quote, type of people there. Which
1: we can assume is
2: men. Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, not that they're not women weightlifters, which we'll talk about, but, you know, when you think of having to walk through the weightlifting area of a gym to get to wherever you're going, I would imagine that would be a heavily male you know, male skewed area.
1: It is, and we have some numbers behind that that we'll get into later. Millions fewer women regularly take part in sports or exercise than men, and many studies have found that this intimidation and sexism are some of the reasons behind that. And this is a big deal because it directly impacts your health and your well-being.
2: Absolutely. Another aspect of this is black women report working out less because of hair A study in the Archives of Dermatology found that two out of five African-American women avoid exercising because they're worried about their hair. Dr. Amy McMichael, the study's senior researcher and a dermatologist at Wake Forest University School of Medicine in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, based a study on her own experiences. She says, as an African-American woman, I have that problem and my friends have that problem. So I wondered if my patients have that problem. As women, it sucks that many of us are letting sexism, letting things like concerns about our hair, letting things like shame about our bodies impact our health. It sucks that this is the world that we have to live in.
1: It does. And it's it's so... We can't even let go of how we look when we're at the gym where you're not supposed to look good. Like, you're gross. You're sweating. And you're you're working on improving your health or, you know, unfortunately, oftentimes, your looks. But your health... And even so, this self-consciousness about how you look gets in the way of that and prevents you from pursuing something that you might enjoy, that you might want to pursue, and that is healthy for you. That, that's upsetting.
2: And you made an interesting point off mic where it's this weird, when you actually think about the gym and you think about the fact that women aren't going because of you know their their feeling whatever kind of way about, about our bodies. It's so weird that you are working out in some ways, like you just said, to improve the way your body looks in some cases, but your that same body or that same weirdness and shame around the way that our bodies present keeps you from the gym. It's this very weird cycle that doesn't really make any sense when you, when you think about it, you know?
1: Yeah. I, I was telling Bridget, um, I now feel like I just want to do a whole mini-series about all of these fascinating social like mores and things that occur at the gym. I have a friend who specifically will leave. She goes to a small gym and she goes at really off hours so that no one else will be there to see her work out. And she'll leave if someone else comes in. She's too self-conscious, she won't stay. My
2: gym doesn't have a changing room, but my favorite displays at bigger gyms are those older women who don't give a fuck who are walking around the locker room naked? I'm like, yes, please. Do you. I love it. I hope
1: that's me one day. <laughs> <laughs> um, So I wanted to include a brief history of gems because I thought it was fascinating. Um, And plus, just to see if this kind of dichotomy of men and women at gyms has always been a thing that's been around, um, and before we get into the sexism bit, we're going we're gonna to look at that history, and um, CNC did an entire episode on the history of American gyms, so this is going to be brief, and um, very, very brief, but uh, gyms first got their start in Greece, where naked men attended public gyms as a way to prep for battle or competitions or other male-only activities. The word gymnasium, by the way, if you're looking for some trivia to impress people with, stems from the Greek word gymnos, which means naked. When the Greco-Roman Empire
2: collapsed, gyms were seen as unfashionable and did not make a comeback on a larger scale until the 1900s. And it was around this time that schools started including gyms to support growing athletic programs and pursuits.
1: The first commercial gym opened a little before this in 1840s Brussels, Belgium. The YMCA got its start in 1844, first in London. And this would become a big player in terms of the fitness for men and boys. And the term bodybuilding was coined at the Boston YMCA in 1881 to describe a set of fitness courses.
2: Now, we're mostly talking about male-only spaces, but there were still some women in the mix. Catherine Esther Stowe's 1856 book, Physiology and Calisthenics for Schools and Families, recommended physical education for both boys and girls. She did think that some exercises were not meant for, quote, the female constitution, but her work was pretty revolutionary for the time.
1: When Jack LaLanne opened what many believed to be the first American health club in 1936, he was a big proponent of women being allowed to lift weights. But for the most part, folks ignored him. The first salons for women opened during the 30s, too, courtesy of rivals Elizabeth Arden and Helena Rubinstein. And these were some of the first places to sell women on the idea that their physical appearance was in their control, not just a matter of, say, God or nature. With a regiment of light exercises like stretching, yoga, and dancing, and some cosmetics, you could achieve the look, figure, and posture you desired. And this is one of the many ways that weight and figure got all tangled up with the beauty standard. As Rubenstein used to say, there are no ugly women, only lazy ones. (laughs) Right?
2: (laughs) So this easily transitioned into the fad of women during the 40s and 50s of reducing, a.k.a. losing weight, However, exercise was not the way that women went about this since sweating in public was viewed as unladylike and physical exertion was believed to be bad for the uterus. Quick FYI, it's not. <laughs> women women used diet pills or machines that shook you and rolled you out like dough to get rid of that fat. The most successful of these salons was a chain called Slenderella, who we owe our eternal thanks for the, quote, bikini
1: body. Oh, thank you so much for that, Slenderella. Thank you. Also, FYI, if you have a body and a bikini, you have a bikini body. That's just how words work. (laughs) Trailblazing American female bodybuilder Pudgy Stockton opened her Salon of Figure Development in 1948. But even that was advertised as a place to reduce, not a place to put on muscle or bodybuild.
2: It wasn't until the 60s and 70s that women began exercising in bigger numbers. Not at gyms, though. In their homes, where no one will be exposed to their unladylike sweat and flab. (laughs) Now, the main reason behind this were televised weekday exercise programs targeting housewives. Jack LaLanne was one of the more popular ones, along with Debbie Drake. Drake was the one who first popularized representations of what a woman exercising should look like. The message of these shows seemed to be, watch your figures, ladies, or your man might ditch you for a better-looking woman, one who exercises. Elaine's 1964 exercise album was called How to Keep Your Husband Happy, Look Slim, Keep Trim, which is a great example of the divide that we still see in the exercise world. Women exercising for their looks and men exercising for achievement. In
1: 1968, physician Kenneth Cooper also played a role in getting more women to exercise when he released his book Aerobics, a term he coined. In it, he presented scientific evidence that exercise was good for you, it was good for your health. The first bar studio got its start during the 60s too. And if you're unfamiliar, bar is a type of workout program that combines some ballet, some yoga, some stretching and strength exercises.
2: And a fun fact, it used to be used to teach women to improve their sex lives.
1: Oh, that is a fun fact. It's mostly seen as something more women take part in than men. Jazzercise, another physical activity typically dominated by women, got going in 1969 this company would become the second fastest-growing franchise by 1984, second only to Domino's Pizza. <laughs> you gotta eat your pizza and then go I know. jazzercise.
2: That's, what's the gym that where they really do have pizza at the gym?
1: Is it Planet Fitness? Oh, man. I didn't know such a thing existed.
2: Yeah, it's true. Pizza Monday. Planet Fitness has Pizza Monday. <laughs> Not that that makes a difference to this episode. I just thought you should know. <laughs> the 70s saw a lot of things that made going to the gym a more popular activity for women the invention of the sports bra and title IX, chains of quote figure salons promising women that they would be able to get back into the dress size that they're proud of while co-ed places did exist a lot of them operated on an alternate schedule of male to female days
1: isn't that wild you'd have to know the oh today's the, the woman day I can't go to the gym <laughs> like I don't know it's Interesting, interesting. What else is interesting is the number of women going to the gym went up even more in the 80s thanks to Jane Fonda's exercise videos. I had heard of these until I researched this episode. I had no idea what a huge cultural deal they were.
2: Oh, my God. They were huge. They were huge. I, rem- I My mom was into Jane Fonda's workout videos. And don't you remember that, the lyrics to um, Baby Got Back? You know, sh- um, yes. oh, sh- what is it? Uh, your girlfriend drives a Honda. <laughs> God, <we're>, wait, <laughs> how does it go? Yeah. Your girlfriend drives a Honda, does workout tapes with Fonda. Like, it's a, it was a cultural mainstay.
1: Apparently it was. Worth noting, though, that most gyms up to this point were still single sex. Think about how recent that is. That's the 80s. Um, more and more co-ed gyms started opening as gym chains took off. And women inspired by Jane Fonda flocked to them in their wonderfully bright 80s gym fashion. The 1982 cover of Time magazine read Coming on Strong, The New Ideal of Beauty. And it had a picture of a woman like in gym clothes, getting ready to go to the gym. <laughs> Sorry. That's I'm just like I'm thinking about those like incredible. Their 80s. outfits were amazing. They were going yeah. to the gym, like. Just like you're going to a club or something, or like 80s prom. Like th- those I could look at
2: uh, 80s workout clothes for women forever. It is so interesting.
1: What I love about the 80s, like anytime you're watching a hundred years of fashion, whatever it is, like wedding dresses, gym, you can pick out the 80s. It is wildly different than anything else. <laughs> Definitely. Now, that new ideal of beauty still focused on slimness,
2: and it meant many hours of hard work and more women hitting the gym. But as scientific evidence came out suggesting that an ideal exercise routine should include some strength training, more women moved to traditionally male spaces. And you know what this means. Sexism gets exposed. And we'll talk more about that sexism after a quick break.
0: This episode is brought to you by China. The China brand provides premium disposable tableware to celebrate moments of togetherness.
1: Yes, and right now that is more important than ever. Especially when we're all apart. So recently, I had a group, and we had a, a socially distanced barbecue where the host drew out circles in chalk that were nice. six feet apart, and everyone showed up with their own chairs and beverages. And it was really convenient to have disposable products, and we we just had a, a lovely conversation. Um, it was really fun. Yeah,
0: and I'm with the disposable products. I know that the Chinet brand provides durable and trusted products, which I have used before, that let you enjoy every moment of the get togethers and traditional or
1: now not. And there are classic white products that can work for any gathering, or cut crystal plates and cups when you want to make something a little extra special. Disposable tableware keeps things simple and cleanup easy. Chinat products are available wherever you buy groceries, including delivery or pickup. This episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You is brought to you by HelloFresh. Get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouthwatering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking fun, easy, and affordable. And while
0: we're under a quarantine, I will say HelloFresh has so many recipes. It's been wonderful because it gets me out of my rut and I'm able to try new recipes instead of my same old, same old.
1: And they offer contactless delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family so you don't have to have some stressful meal planning and grocery store trips. Even better, HelloFresh's pre-portioned ingredients
0: means there's less prep for you and less food waste. So if you're ready to try some of the delicious food from HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com slash MomStuff80 and use code MomStuff80 to get a total of $80 off, including free shipping on your first box.
1: That's HelloFresh.com slash MomStuff80 and use code MomStuff80 to get a total of $80 off and free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And this moves us into the modern day. And yes, sexism. Because the fitness industry is rife with it. The fr- I mean, think about the phrase locker room talk. That, that is a perfect example of how much sexism is in the industry. And there are also these really um, not great ads for gyms. One of them reads, cheat on your girlfriend, not your workout. Gross. hmm In 2017, an ad for a gym in Germany made headlines when it was named the most sexist ad in the country. It was an image of a traditionally attractive woman with her eyes closed, sucking on a very phallic-shaped ice pop, captioned with the words, hot, hot baby, which in German is "heiß heiß baby, I think. So, like, it's an ice, heiss, baby pun. Um, you wouldn't know it's for a gym looking at it. Yeah, they what does that it, have
2: to do with working out?
1: They said it, it meant that you, you could get a nice refreshing ice pop at the end of your workout. <laughs> okay.
2: I'm skeptical. Side note, I hate advertisements where it blends sexy stuff with things that aren't sexy. So it'll be like, are you, you know, telling me that this gym is a sex place? Like I I get I get very confused by advertisements where it's like, Am I supposed to have sex with a sandwich? <laughs> Do
1: you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean, yeah.
2: Think about something like Sports Illustrated, which historically um, hasn't done a great job when it comes to depicting women. In issues from
1: 1996, female athletes only accounted for 3% of stories covered. And when the U.S. women's soccer team won the World Cup in 1999, several television stations spent more time covering when one of the players took off her shirt and revealed her sports bra than they did covering the actual win. That was so controversial. Oh, sports bra. Oh, my God, a sports bra. (laughs) It's not just ads, though. A 2016 study out of University of Westminster found that the more muscle a heterosexual man has, the more likely he is to have sexist beliefs, like in traditional gender roles, perhaps. The more muscular dudes were also more likely to report hostility towards women. So it makes sense that a lot of that attitude would permeate into the fitness culture and gyms, where a buff guy would spend a lot of his time putting on that muscle. Always important to note difference between correlation, causation, things like that. But um, it was an interesting finding by this study.
2: On top of that, activities that put on muscle have historically been dominated by men and really kind of largely still are. Now, this is starting to change a little bit, but very slowly. Women have been sold fitness as a way to stay thin and toned and men have been sold as a way to bulk up.
1: And on top of that, since women are doing more of the child caring and chores around the household, they might not have the same ability as men to go to the gym. So let's let's dive into some of the types of sexism that you might encounter at the gym. Some of the flavors, if you will. Starting with gym dress code policies.
2: Now we've already talked a bit about dress codes and some of the messaging behind them. Gyms often outline rules for how women dress, forbidding sports bras only or tank tops that are, quote, too revealing, yoga pants that are too tight.
1: And we just saw this with Serena Williams,
2: which I have to say pissed me off so
1: royally. Oh, me too. Me too. And I mean, you don't see these kind of guidelines for men. This is usually women. Don't don't wear too revealing of tops. Okay. Um, And this is one of the biggest problems women face in general. And it's no different at the gym that women's clothing choice is solely to attract male attention and that the less clothing she wears, the more attention she wants. But it's a gym. It's hot. You're working out. (laughs) <laughs> women are told not to dress too provocatively, but we aren't dressing provocatively. We're dressing for comfort, for the working out part that we're there for. And for yeah. women with bigger boobs or butts, provocative is hard to avoid.
2: Exactly. It's just this assumption that men don't have to worry about being provocative or attracting attention or blah, 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 whatever nonsense. And that as women, when we're there trying to, you know, stay in shape and, and be healthy and take care of our bodies— Our number one concern should be, what are men thinking? How are they responding to how I'm dressed?
1: Not what you're there for, what you're paying money for, which is to get in shape. And what's kind of interesting about this is so many women have reported being embarrassed working out in front of men as one of their main deterrents for going to the gym, which we we talked about a little bit in the front. Uh, You might not have makeup on. You might be wearing your baggy T-shirt. Or maybe you're wearing a shirt that rides up and puts your granny panties on full display for all to see. Older women said that they didn't want to be the source of laughter or repulsion. So it makes sense to me that some women do dress up to go to the gym to combat this insecurity. Maybe you do put on those nice athleisure pants and you put on makeup um, just to give you some kind of... Kind of like the the armor we talked about before. Just something to combat that insecurity, even in a small way.
2: Yeah, I know that there's a lot of folks out there, like I see it online where people are like, oh, look at her in full makeup and hair going to the gym. But if that's what makes me feel comfortable, you know, I, I you can't fault anyone for putting on the armor that they need to feel confident in a world where women are always scrutinized.
1: Yeah, and we're not going to talk about it in much in this episode, but I did read that um, apparently gyms are a place where you you meet people these days. (laughs) You know? What? It's a brave new world out there. Um, Are you talking about dating? Yeah. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) The way that you phrased that, I was like, you meet people. (laughs) What could she be talking about? Um. And here, here's a new one that, when it for me at least, when it comes to dress code. In 2017, a middle school sent home a letter about their gym clothes policy. One parent who received the letter posted about it on Reddit. Quote, I was floored when I went to the school and was told that my 7th grade daughter would be responsible for bringing her gym uniform home, laundering it, and bringing it back while my 8th grade son would, quote, just give it to the school for them to wash, since they didn't trust the boys to do the same. I'm so angry. Either wash all the kids' uniforms or none of them. Don't tell my kid that if he doesn't accomplish something, especially a historically feminine activity like laundry, that someone else will do it for him. My kids have been responsible for their own laundry for five years. Boys don't wash their sh- Take off points. Easy as that. Fail them if they don't do what they're supposed to do. I have never heard of that before. That is wild to me. Right,
2: and also it, it. I mean, I know this isn't the point, but one, it completely, you know, obscures the idea that there are people who are not who do not identify as boys or girls. Two, what if you were a little girl and you didn't live in a household that had laundry facilities? Like that would be a real problem. It's it's almost sort of adding this really weird burden on the girls that goes beyond just, like, gender. It's also classes. Like, not everybody grows up in a house where they have a washer and dryer just, like, downstairs in their basement.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, (laughs) My school didn't have jam uniforms, so I'm very... I don't have much experience with this at all. I'm just shocked by it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, my... I went to a really small all-girls Catholic school. I think we had uniforms for gym, but we didn't really do a lot during gym. Like, sometimes on nice days, we would just, like, walk around the block. And (laughs) once we watched, like, sometimes we would watch movies. Like, I don't know. You watch movies in gym? Yeah. I have a very distinct memory of watching um, this Ben Stiller, Edward Norton comedy about Catholicism in gym class.
1: (laughs) So it wasn't even, like, about gyms? It was just... Comedy?
2: Oh, and some and sometimes we even do the um Richard Simmons workouts. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so our our gym, we were sort of we were playing it fast and loose in my gym
1: class. I, I've gotta agree, Bridget. <laughs> I gotta agree with that assessment. Um before we move on, I want to include something that gave me a good chuckle while researching this whole thing. I was reading an article about the fad of athleisure and whether female sportswear is sexist in itself. And the author expressed shock that the study uh, featured in the article found that the biggest reason women reported for wearing athleisure clothing outside of the gym was comfort and not fashion. What? Women want to be comfortable? comfortable? (laughs) No, no. That must be
2: incorrect. Oh, my God. I have to say, sometimes this is such a, like, I shouldn't even admit this, Every now and then I'll wear, I do have a little bit of athleisure. I'll wear it around just because I want people to like think like, oh, look who's been working out. Like I I want the smug feeling <laughs> that comes with it. <laughs> it's like really I've just been sleeping and watching TV all day. But if I go out in this outfit, people will think, oh, there's a girl that's got her life together. She
1: just went to yoga. <laughs> you know, now that you mentioned that, when I see people on athleisure, the first thing I think is that they, they are going to the gym or athlete, like yoga or something. So you're on to something, Bridget. Nothing makes me think a woman in public has her shit
2: together. Like being an athleisure and carrying a yoga mat under her arm at like 10 a.m. on a Saturday.
1: I Yeah, that's true. The article, other than getting that, well, <laughs> a little wrong, I would say. The article did make some good points, like the shift of women's sportswear from performance-focused to looks-focused and often a sexualized focus, something that we don't see reflected in men's sportswear, and that women's sportswear is more expensive. Anyone who's had to buy a good sports bra knows that. Absolutely. We have some more more stuff to talk about here, but first, we're gonna pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
3: Gotta tell you about Best Fiends. It's a game pretty much everybody's talking about. Morgan number 2 plays this sometimes before we start the show. You know, it really challenges your brain with the fun puzzles, but it's also a very casual game, so it won't stress you out, which is perfect these days, right? What's great is you can use the game as a way to connect with your friends and your family, all while social distancing. The game is so much more than your average mobile puzzle game. It's five-star rated, with over 100 million downloads, thousands of fun levels, and tons of characters to collect. You know, there are new in-game challenges and events every month, so the game's always fresh. You'll never be bored with it, You can even play the game without using Wi-Fi. So, here we go. You don't want to miss out on the game. Join millions of Americans and a lot of us here on the show who are already playing this fun puzzle game. Download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play today. Just go over there, hit download Best Fiends for free, Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Check it out. I do think you'll like it. Friends without the R, Best Fiends.
1: Get started today at betterhelp.com slash momstuff. That's better, H-E-L-P.com slash momstuff. Talk to a therapist online and get help. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Okay, so now let's talk about female-only gyms because they come up a lot when you're talking about sexism in gyms and in the fitness industry in general. So, female-only gyms and gym classes, are they sexist?
2: Well, the question was a source of a lawsuit in London in 2013. The man behind the lawsuit, Peter Lloyd, said, quote, "...they still charge men the same full-price membership fee as women, but refuse to offer the equivalent option of male-only sessions. The gym in question had 422 hours a year set aside for female-only classes."
1: The response to this was swift. Jezebel essentially told him to give women the 422 hours and stop whining. Wonkette called him a limey nutsack. (laughs) His comeback did not paint him in the best light to be sure. He said, quote, a group of agenda-driven feminists who say a minority of women feel bad about their bodies were the ones attacking him.
2: I like the, I like the quote,
1: agenda-fueled feminists. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. We should, and we have the ability now. Oh, that's right. We should plug the shirts. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Also, listeners, if you have any design ideas, send them our way. We can make shirts. We can make shirts. By no means is this the only lawsuit against gyms that offer female-only classes or female-only gyms. Uh, HealthWorks, a female-only gym in Boston, was sued in 1996 by James J. Foster. You know who came out on his side? the National Organization of Women. The president of Massachusetts Now commented at the time, if you want equal rights, then you want them for everybody, not just when it benefits you. And Foster won his lawsuit. The story does not end there. Members of HealthWorks protested
2: so much that in 1998, a bill was signed making single-sex gyms legal in the state. And other states have followed suit, but more than one has gone in the opposite direction.
1: One thing of note, um, in some places like Fitness First and Qatar, men and women are forbidden from working out in the same space for sort of the opposite but same reason. It's something that we'll have to come back to and talk about because it's a different perspective on the issue, and we'd love to do a deeper dive.
2: Another thing that we should mention are queer sportscapes, something like Gay Games, which is a space for LGBTQ folks and allies. A study found that not only were members of the gay games more likely to report a sense of community and higher self-esteem, but they were much more likely to become politically active
1: when it came to LGBTQ causes, which is not surprising to me at all. Yeah, a good gym, like you were talking about with yours, is a is a great place to find community and to find just have these conversations with people that perhaps you wouldn't have encountered in your everyday life. Now, if you're wondering why there aren't that many male only gyms or classes, because there are some, very few, but some. And that's because there's not really a demand for them. I wonder why. <laughs> I bet. Why could that be? I bet you could hazard a successful guess. On the flip side, if you're wondering why there is a demand for female only gyms and classes, you also probably know why that is. You can find so many accounts of women facing incessant harassment from men at the gym, going so far as to pull out the headphones of women working out to talk to them. Never do that, aside from me. Um, Women getting constantly asked out at the gym when they're just there to work out. Women being body shamed or catcalled. Women having men mansplain working out to them. So many women have shared their experiences with mansplaining at the gym, whether it's to adjust the weight on a machine to something lower without her permission to keep said woman from hurting herself or her lady parts, um, adjusting a woman's form without asking, or even telling women that they're wearing their sports bra incorrectly. Um, Or that nice ass is a compliment. Don't you understand how compliments work? That kind of thing. (laughs) Gross.
2: And what's really awful is that these behaviors aren't always just limited to gym goers. You'll have instructors say things like, ladies, it's okay if you need to tap out, but fellas, if you tap out you will be ruthlessly mocked. And basically it's saying, oh, women, you're so delicate, you can't do it. But men, man up. You need to do it. Otherwise, you'll be made fun of and you won't be really a man.
1: Right. And if there's a single female in the class, perhaps like just one female and all the rest of the participants in the class are male, she'll often be singled out and used to motivate the other male participants as if the worst thing would be for a woman to outperform you. And yeah, that that might seem small and relatively harmless, but it still reinforces these sexist perceptions, and it undercuts the what the woman is accomplishing and what she can accomplish.
2: And you're pay, you're paying for the pleasure. If you're at if you're at a gym, odds are you're paying to be there. You're getting yes. you're paying for someone to basically
1: insult you in a room full of strangers. It's so awful. It is. <laughs> And this behavior isn't limited to men, or at least I would say the body shaming part particularly isn't, and probably the sexist language of "dudes, um, don't let this lady outdo you." I'm sure some female instructors have probably used that as well. Um, also, a decent amount of women-only boutique gyms were pushing really hard for weight loss, uh, whether the gym goer wanted it or not. So, say you you come in and you're a new, you're thinking about signing up for a gym. For a while, and still sometimes, they want to, like, the first thing they want to know is how much weight do you want to lose, which is not great either. That that could be such a deterrent. Um, and this is changing, but for a while, it was pretty standard almost. Yeah, and a lot of women,
2: when interviewed about why they go to an all-female gym, they pretty much said that they would like to go to a co-ed gym, but that they're so male-dominated. And essentially, they already feel like male-only spaces, So a really interesting study explored how these spaces are kind of paradoxes. They're spaces that are presumably about empowering women, but they still push for this heteronormative female beauty standard. And they're spaces where women flock to to escape the male gaze or being put on display. But it's almost as if women aren't comfortable with their bodies. They aren't satisfied with their bodies. And they're uncomfortable trying to work toward the body they think men will want in front of men. And so it's kind of this paradox that we talked about earlier where gyms are this weird space where you go there, you're sort of sold that it's an empowering thing for a woman-only gym to exist. You go there to avoid the male gaze, but then once you get there, there's this real pressure to work out so that you will be attractive to men. And it really is kind of another kind of cool girl way. It's like the the cool girl workout in a kind of way.
1: Yeah, where trying isn't cool. You don't want to show men that you're trying to get this body that you think that they want. It, it's So you go to a female-only gym to escape the male gaze, but it's still there. Like, there are so many accounts of women saying, like, you could, you could almost feel it even though there were no men. Um, a lot of co-ed gyms are laid out in a way that requires women to walk through the weightlifting section where often mostly men are working out. And this walk can be awkward and lead to some unwanted leering and comments. And that was the case for Vanessa Golombiewski, as she described in her article, Why I Quit the Gym for Refinery29. She quit her local Planet Fitness branch after months of being catcalled and harassed and having her complaints ignored. When she posted about it on social media, the Planet Fitness social media account suggested to her that she should try, quote, coming to the gym a little earlier or later to avoid the rush of male members change your schedule. <laughs> we don't need to fix the problem. You you you'd work on that on your end. What a crappy response. That's totally
2: just shifting the onus onto the person who is there to work out who's paying for this this opportunity like, "Oh, our gym suck? Yeah, maybe you should try changing your whole schedule to fix it for us." Right. Musician Ellie Golding has also spoken up about this. She's apparently been leered at when she goes to the gym. And
1: I, I guess I've I've thought a lot about all of this um recently because it it has been really fascinating research. And I suppose to me, female only gyms is it's kinda like female only train cars in India where I get it and I'm not really opposed, but it does feel like you're dealing with the symptom and not the problem. And it's once again putting the responsibility on women for men's behaviors. So I I would rather we didn't need them. But that's not the reality. And, and to be clear, I've gone to a female-only gym and loved it. Like, I am more comfortable in general when it's, or at least nowadays, when it's mostly women. But that, when I was in college, it was mostly men and it didn't bother me at all. But I had a female workout partner. And also, like I said, it was a pretty good experience. So it's one of those things where I get it, but I, I'm a little sad that it is a thing that has to exist for people to feel comfortable.
2: Yeah, and I, I just wish that we lived in a world where we didn't have to have female-only gyms, female-only train cars. I think I think there is something really powerful about women's-only spaces and collectives, and I think that, you know, I have found a lot of power in those spaces, but I want them to exist because we want them, not because we need them.
1: Right. And um, if, we're, if we look at, like, weightlifting, because that is something that has been typically male-dominated, Sanjana, or maybe it's Sanjana, sorry if I pronounced it incorrectly, um, Sathian wrote about this while working out as a gym and uh, why it sucks as a woman, especially when it comes to weightlifting. She pointed out that many gyms are segregated to the bulky men lifting weights and to the women doing cardio, much like a middle school dance. Men on one side, women on the other. And it's true that several surveys have found women avoid lifting weights out of fear of getting too buff, which is perceived as unattractive or even unnatural in our society. Celebrity trainer Tracy Anderson even suggested that women avoid weights over three pounds. In
2: 1996, Laurie Schultz wrote, the deliberately muscular female body is dangerous and disturbs dominant notions of sex, gender, and sexuality, and any discursive field that includes her risks opening up a site of contest and conflict, anxiety and ambiguity. So we have a lot of work to do when it comes to dismantling all this gendered stuff that we put in around bodybuilding and weightlifting. And FYI, science says that you won't accidentally bulk up. So don't worry about that.
1: (laughs) No, don't worry about that. Okay, so in conclusion, here's the thing. Working out is oddly vulnerable, and sexism at the gym touches on so much more than it seems on the surface. But there are positive things. Trends show that gyms are moving away from the men lift weight, women do crunches approach. You can search hashtag fitstagram to see all kinds of women looking to put on some muscle. The hashtag gaining weight is cool had 80,000 posts in October of 2017. Lifting weights and getting a six pack For sure is not attainable for everyone, but it is positive that more women feel comfortable doing it if it's something that they want to do. Experts do warn against trading one ideal for another, so just keep that in mind when you're scrolling through these images. Do not become obsessed with that ideal that is not achievable for everybody.
2: And something that I thought was really interesting is that Safian, the writer that we highlighted earlier... She suggested hiring more female staff at gyms with the ultimate goal of a 50-50 split as a way to combat this gym sexism and to make the spaces more comfortable for women. I would also add hire more gender nonconforming folks just so everyone feels like they are represented and welcome in these spaces.
1: Yes. Um, And if you are able and have the body and the time and the money to work out and the desire, because let's be real— Um, it sucks that so many women are avoiding a healthy activity because they don't want to be harassed or because they feel too insecure. And this is actually impacting health. Good physical health ripples out to all sorts of things like um, getting better sleep, combating depression, increasing bone density, better balance, decreased stress, lower risk of chronic diseases. Most of us aren't going to gyms for the abs, but they can be a good place to get these benefits, the things that can improve your everyday life. And think of the women, all of the women who could have been great boxers or female weightlifters or bodybuilders that were turned off of the gym from a bad experience or who avoided the gym or weightlifting in particular because of all of the stuff we've been talking about. And I hadn't really appreciated how underrepresented women have been when it comes to this until recently, how it's just assumed that men will be more athletic than women.
2: Yeah, as someone who boxes in her spare time, you know, I came to boxing because my dad boxed and my brother boxed and my grandfather boxed and boxing is a big part of my family. And, you know, being born a woman did not mean that I got to escape the family pastime of boxing. But for every woman who came to it that way, there are probably women who have just been turned off of the sport and just, you know, stopped doing it because of this. And, you know, we could be missing out on a really great female athlete because of sexist nonsense.
1: And think about um, kids when all these PE classes and gym classes we've been talking about. Gym classes, apart from watching movies, they can be a great learning opportunity for kids if the gym teachers call out any, quote, locker room talk, which admittedly only works if the gym teacher also isn't sexist, harasser, or what have you. Studies show that girls are socialized starting in physical education classes to think that they are less athletically capable than boys and that less is expected of them in that arena. It makes young girls feel incapable and insecure with their bodies, and we need to start changing that. And I personally had a horrible experience in gym in middle school. There was this group of dudes that named all of the girls after states. So the bigger the boobs you had, the more mountainous state name you would get and they'd shout it as you ran past, which was really awful. So it'd be like Colorado be was like dry. the big one you wanted. Oh, if you oh want a big boobs. What was the what would so I have I'm
2: completely flat chested and have that my whole life. <laughs> I would have been Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: That's like arrested development. There's a surfboard in the shot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And it was it made me very insecure and it made me not want to participate. And this also got me thinking about Tomboys, which is uh, usually a sporty girl who likes comfortable clothes. Uh, How the masculine world of sports fandom is legitimized and sports that are seen as male and those that are seen as female, like gymnastics. Just that whole thing, like how female sporting events are taken less seriously, receive less funding and subpar equipment. There is so much going on here. So much.
2: And it's all just so gendered, and it reinforces this idea of a gender binary. It's just, it's just so, it's just f-ing exhausting and tiring. <laughs> like, there's no other word for it. People should be encouraged to pursue whatever athletic, you know, pastime they want to, and just ha- having it work along this this entire gender notion is just. We just have to get past it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we really do. Um, we need to save our energy for working out in the gym and less for all of this gendered nonsense um if if you're nervous about going to the gym or uh, yeah yeah working out in general we have some suggestions some quick suggestions. Um, a workout plan is always good so that like when you come in you know you want to hit these certain machines or you want to do this for however much amount of time um if you if you want to get into lifting weights but you you're worried about, going up to the the machine and appearing like you don't know what you're going to do or how to work it. You can always talk to somebody who works there or you can watch videos online or read tutorials online about the machines you want to use before you go. Um, and for gyms, uh, offering an orientation option for beginners to reduce this invisible barrier at the gym, that'd be one thing. Diversifying gym space in terms of age and body type, just so people see all sorts of different people there and make it make all of us feel more comfortable. I think. Uh, I can say when I first started lifting weights, I had a female partner and that really helped me get over the intimidation factor, especially because she already knew what she was doing and she taught me. So if that's an option for you, if a workout buddy is an option for you, I highly recommend that. Um, and it's also good for accountability if that's something you're worried about and you really do want (laughs) to make sure that you keep up to some kind of schedule. We had a, a Google calendar we shared, um, But if it is something that you want to do, we really want you to be able to do it and feel comfortable doing it. So,
2: Yeah, yeah. and we shouldn't let sexist nonsense stop us from, A, being healthy and getting in shape, or B, just pursuing the athletic activities that we want, that we're drawn to, whether it's boxing, weightlifting, whatever. You know, we shouldn't let this really dumb societal notion and gendered BS keep us from doing the things that we want to do in life.
1: No, we shouldn't. And we've heard from several listeners who who are weightlifters or are casually or even professionally, um who haven't let this gendered bs get in their way and the sexism get in their way. And we would love to hear from more of you what has your experience been with the gym and physical education or sports, anything like that? Um, we because we had a lot to say about the gem, we're gonna. Skew listener mail but it will be back in the next episode. And if you want to email us, you can. Our email is momstuff at howstuffworks.com
2: And we're available on social media. We're on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You. And we're on Twitter at Momstuff Podcast. And you can check out our new line of t-shirts that we mentioned in this episode at tpublic.com slash stores slash stuff mom never told you.
1: Yeah, we'd love to have some design ideas from you guys. We could make it happen. Thanks, as always, to Andrew Howard, our producer, and thanks to you for listening.
0: If you crack open an American history book, it's sure to be filled with founding fathers, bloody wars, and the inventions that brought this country to the industrial age. But there's a whole other world that waits for us in the shadows. Tales of unlikely heroes, world-changing tragedies, and legends that are unique to this country's spirit. So join me, Lauren Vogelbaum, for a tour of American history unlike any other through a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Aaron Menke's Grim and Mild. Get ready for American Shadows. Listen to American Shadows on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Amy Nelson.
3: And I'm Sam Eddis. We're the hosts of iHeart's newest podcast, What's Her Story with Sam and Amy.
0: We both have our own businesses. And between us, we have seven children. And since the moment we met, we've been sharing our stories with each other. The thing is, we all know the stories of industry titans like Bezos and Jobs. But the stories of women, they remain incomplete.
3: We ask questions no one else even touches. We are not afraid to get personal. So listen to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.